Hey there, you've stumbled upon the Uncrazy Podcast. My name is Ray, and I'm a PhD level therapy patient with 18 years of experience and plenty of mental health tips to prove it. Each week, I live by one of those tips and try to make myself feel a little bit less crazy. Join me and my guests as we live these out and laugh at each other, laugh at ourselves. It'll be a lovely time. Disclaimer, I am not a therapist. I'm not a mental health professional. So please seek one if you need one. If you're just ready to hang out and have a good time on this pod, let's go. I feel like we as a country suck at mental health. We're just not aware of what is actually going to work for us as individuals. It's not a very personalized marketing campaign, if you will. Like, you know, people are always talking about do more mindfulness and, oh, have you tried exercising? And it's like, yeah, I fucking tried everything and I'm still miserable. Help me. So like, that's the state of therapy right now. At least the, that what I've experienced, I've had maybe like two really, really helpful therapists out of, you know, the many that I've seen over the years. And it's just, that shouldn't be the way that it is. And what's crazy is, you know, I'm a very privileged person. I have a privileged background. I am white and um, economically my parents did well. And so what's really rough is that out there, there are people who struggle to find affordable health care. And even when they have insurance and they can get a therapist, that therapist, you know, might not be the right one for them, but it's really overwhelming to keep looking and breaking up with therapists. And it's just a whole thing. And, and it is expensive overall. And especially if you're trying to find a specialist, which a lot of people need, a lot of therapists out there are just kind of general. And they're not giving the specialized care that somebody actually would require to get over what they're suffering from way faster. Anyway, I am going to get off my soapbox because you don't want to hear me rant and rave, though I will be doing a lot of that during the podcast overall. Um, But I will save it for later to uh, spare your little ears. And I wanted to start off with a segment that I had thought about. So (laughs) I want to do a tarot poll um, to give you some background, I, I pull cards uh, for, you know, sometimes I have donation-based clients, which is really exciting. And I also do tarot for myself just to give me a different perspective. You know, sometimes I get really in my own head with regards to uh, what I should do to strategize for my mental health, what I should just kind of be focusing on during the day so that I maintain a healthy environment and mental health is one of the number one priorities for me. Um, for those of you who don't know me, (laughs) um, I have had a a huge history of mental health issues, um, stemming from back way back when, you know, I was 11 when I started to go to therapy. My parents said that I started showing symptoms of depression when I was eight years old, which, you know, is really a, a very astonishing thing to hear for a lot of people because a lot of people think, oh, you're just depressed when you're older or as an emo teen, and it's like, no, you can, genetics is a thing, you guys, and like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's rough, it's rough out there who, for, I feel for all of you that have inherited some, some kind of shitty genes, (laughs) in the sense that, uh, if you have mental health issues, a lot of it is biological, genetics, a lot of it is environment, 
And so I'm feeling for all you who are struggling right now. Um, I've been there and it's rough. So with that, I will explain to you a little bit about how I use tarot to help me get through this. So I know that this is not a quick fix. Uh, This is just something for fun that I like to do to give me some guidance. So let's see, some tarot cards that I'm getting right now to help me with my mental health journey. So I'm getting um, Knight of Knives, Five of Knives, Two of Wands. So how I read tarot cards is essentially I really look into the symbols and the deeper meanings behind each card. So I really dig deep. And what I'm seeing right now is that there is a big theme of red in these cards. Um, so red is a symbol of energy, of, of going towards your goals, of really orienting yourself to what you want and kind of staying the course. And I'm seeing some imagery of like stripes um, and stripes are kind of symbolizing going against the grain um I'm seeing some yellow yellow is a friendly color it's generally like you know um feeling happiness and and success um and I'm seeing some mountains in the two of wands and that that represents resilience and so with all of those combined it's it's telling me that I need to do something a little bit different shake it up um but also stay the course and really know what I want my focus to be. And so it seems that my focus and my purpose right now is to do something a little bit different, which is what I'm trying to do with this podcast, essentially, is like the lighter side of mental health. People talk about it in a very serious way. And while it is a very serious topic, it doesn't have to be. Sometimes it's really fucking funny what happens when you're trying to better yourself (laughs) if you reframe it. Um, And so that's really kind of what the cards are telling me right now. And also that I have a lot of ideas going on, but I might be missing, missing something. I might be missing the point. Um, and so I really need to be aware of what, of symbols and signs uh, of where I can improve my, my practices and, and all of the different hobbies that I, I have because I get so wrapped up in them that sometimes I... I overlook things that are really important and that will kind of direct me in the right path for, for my unique, you know, uh, journey and purpose. And I know that sounds really cheesy, but I do believe that everybody has a purpose and a journey that they are supposed to be on. Uh, whether or not you believe that everybody kind of has that, uh, you know, psychological sense of flow. So you know that you're supposed to be doing something when you get in a flow of it. For example, some people get that when they're writing, some people when they're painting or when they're, you know, creating spreadsheets. I don't know who gets in a flow with that, but uh, I think my dad. Shout out to my dad. Dad, if you're listening, good job on the spreadsheets. You're doing God's work, I guess. Also, I love you. Okay, so that's my tarot poll. Um, and I, I really enjoy it. It's honestly, it's giving me advice and whether or not you believe it's any like it it is from intuition or whether you just think it's a a bunch of pictures on a card I believe that it it gives you a different perspective either way so my next segment uh official segments here I'm a very professional podcaster as you can see um I have to get like you know little little transitions between these maybe I'll add them maybe I'll do that who knows We'll see. We're, we're just going to take this on a ride. It's going to be a wild ride. You might get bored of my voice halfway through and turn this off. But you know what? 
I'm going to, I'm going to implore you to stay to the end because there's a huge surprise. Okay. There's not a surprise, but just stay to the end anyway, just to make me feel better. And so I can like get a, a dopamine hit from looking at all the analytics of people listening to my podcast. This is purely selfish. Okay. Um, okay. So I also am really excited for guests to come next week because some of my segments really require guests. And so I'm going to ask them a few questions to kind of like warm them up and, and have fun and get to know them a little bit. And some of those questions are going to be uh, a few a few little things to help me dig deeper into their subconscious mind. So I actually do some subconscious mind readings, not literally reading someone's mind, but really understanding what their subconscious desires at its core because a lot of the time our true desires are clouded by societal programming programming from our our parents programming from like you know that bully in fifth grade that told us that we were stupid like all that kind of stuff it totally sticks with us and it gets us stuck in this place of like you know oh I can't do that thing I'm not even gonna look at that that direction but in reality Maybe that's what your subconscious wants. So I'm going to do a little bit of that. That'll be fun. And I'm going to kind of read their mind a little bit. Ooh, spooky. All right. And then I really, I am so excited because then we're going to dig into the mental health tip of the week. And so since it's just me by my lonesome, I'm going to do the mental health tip by myself and explain to you kind of my mental health journey and how I've used this tip. So this tip is called Opposite Action. Uh, You may have seen it on my social media profiles. Uh, I've been talking about this. I posted a video about it just as a quick introduction, but I will introduce it again. Essentially what Opposite Action is, is like this crazy concept of, hey, you're doing something that's ineffective, do the exact opposite. (laughs) And so... While it may seem like doy, like, of course you're supposed to not do the thing that you're not supposed to do and that's going to be harmful to your mental health, but it's not that easy. It's a, it's a very nuanced process and the science behind it, I'm going to very much simplify it because number one, I don't really understand the full extent of the science behind it. <laughs> number two, it is... Uh, you know, it's, it's, I want to simplify things to make sure that I'm getting everyone on the same page. Not everyone spends as much time looking into this stuff as I do. And so I want to be cognizant of that. And uh, I'm going to break it down for you in my little, you know, simple terms of my five-year-old, like explaining it to myself as if I were five, which sometimes I need that. So don't judge me. It's my inner child. That we will get to in a later episode, how to access your inner child, because that is a fun one. Okay, but this time we're going to talk about opposite action. Opposite action is, you know, there are a few steps. So let's say, I'm going to give an example. Let's say that somebody gives me some harsh criticism at work, and I'm like, oh shit. That means I'm a failure and everything is wrong with everything I've done ever in my life and I need to reevaluate my whole situation and I'm going to stay up late at night kind of going over all of my mistakes since the beginning of time. And, you know, then that gets into a cycle of like, oh my God, remember in fifth grade, you know, again, fifth grade, I don't know why I keep going back to that. Must have some childhood wounds. Anyway, 
remember that time in fifth grade when I offended that person and they probably have never forgiven me. Yeah, those thoughts kind of go through everyone's head at some point. <laughs> and so you kind of get stuck on like, oh, shit, I fucked up in some way. And your brain gets really, it, it gets sticky with that. And everybody, it happens to everyone and it happens to everyone at varying degrees. So those thoughts are causing you to do some behaviors that are destructive because it's just a spiral. It's like a spiral of all of the shit that you feel inadequate about. Um, and it's not healthy, obviously. We know that. And having those thoughts really makes you want to do things like, well, at least for me in particular, makes me want to just sit on the couch and eat ice cream, watching something extremely stupid. Um, my recommendation is the Eric Andre show because, oh my God, it's so stupid, but so fucking funny. I watch it and cry laughing. I, I cry. I like, I can't help myself. I'm, you know, I live alone. So I'm just sitting here on my couch with my little dog and he's staring at me like, are you okay? Are you on your meds still? Like, is everything all right? And I, you know, I have to assure him that everything is fine. And then he goes back to sleep and drools and it's adorable. Um, so going back to opposite action. So I want to sit on the couch and watch something stupid. Uh, that necessarily won't be the best thing for me because number one, when you're, uh, Watching TV, a lot of times your mind can wander if you're not really fully investing, you're not fully mindfully watching TV, which is a really hard thing to do these days, especially with phones and you get distracted. And so naturally what happens to me when I'm sitting on the couch, isolating myself, watching TV, sulking about how horrible I did at this work thing because somebody gave me criticism that probably wasn't even that harsh to begin with, if you really think about it. But for me, it felt like the end of the world or whatever, you know. And the, that's not helping me because I'm just stewing in that. I'm ruminating. It's called rumination. So rumination is when you circle on a topic in your brain, like, oh my God, I shouldn't have done that thing. Uh, I, I could have done this better. Um, then they wouldn't have said that thing about me and they wouldn't have criticized me and I wouldn't be in this total sinkhole of emotions. <laughs> and that's really just not helpful. Obviously, we know that. Okay. So how do you get out of it? Well, you know, sometimes it's okay to indulge in that kind of thing. Like, if you really feel shitty about it, then you feel shitty about it. Don't deny that you have emotions and that you feel them. Maybe a good thing would be to think about, like, why do I feel like this? Do I have a fear of criticism because of something that happened in childhood? Yes, I do go that deep. I do go back to childhood trauma. I will because I have a whole thing about it. Um... I think it does help a lot, but I will talk about that again on another later episode. But yeah, think back to a time. It doesn't have to be in childhood. Back to a time when you felt that you were harshly criticized and that it kind of just, you know, it, it hurt you. It shamed you maybe publicly. And that was, that's likely the root of where that shame is perpetuating and how you perpetuate it is you don't feel the feelings. You don't let it peak and pass. You might numb it with watching TV, with, uh, you know, trying to distract yourself. Like even exercise is a distraction. Um, and so 
basically you can watch TV maybe like in this scenario, like I can let myself watch TV maybe for like 15 minutes. I'll put a timer on and I'll be like, all right, I'm going to sulk for 15 minutes and put TV on in the background and just let myself go. And then I have to make a commitment to myself to do the opposite, which is, okay, what is the opposite of sitting on the couch, watching a mindless show and sulking, um, getting up, doing anything but sitting on the couch. I have a mini trampoline here um, that I just bought and it's amazing. I don't know why I live so long without this mini trampoline because I watch TV while I do it. Okay, so not in this case. Don't watch TV because that's the action you're trying to stop. But I love it. Anyway, plug for that. I swear they're not paying me to say that, you know, the mini trampoline mega company that owns all of the mini trampolines. It doesn't exist. I'm just babbling. I probably won't edit this out because, you know, I, I'm just going to be real with you. But I jump on the trampoline. I'm like acting like I'm having the fucking time of my life on this trampoline. Like I'm jumping like it is a contest. Like I am dancing. I'm putting on loud music instead of the TV um, kind of being visually like having that on the background. I want to, uh, I like to go to audio because audio I can actually like, it's easier for me to really be mindful and really think about all the different sounds that are happening. And so any mindful activity for you would be really beneficial as you're doing this jumping. Maybe the jumping is the mindful activity or exercise of any sort that you want to do or uh, whatever the opposite of sitting on the couch and sulking is for you. Uh, that's what it is. So to stop the rumination, I do the mindfulness. I listen to the music and I'm jumping up and down. I am waving my hands. I'm, you know, I'm pretending like I'm celebrating something. And you know, what if I am? I'm celebrating the fact that I'm actually not doing the bad behavior or bad, not bad. Okay. The ineffective behavior, the ineffective habit that I have when I'm sulking. So and I mindfully engage myself in the music. And then what's the opposite of, you know, just feeling sorry for myself is just like counting all the times that I actually fucking rocked it. Like, hey, I did this awesome thing at work that one time. Remember? Remember, brain? Like, don't remember all the shitty things that happened. Like, try to redirect. And I know, I know this all sounds very idealistic and way easier said than done. Of course. I'm not telling you that it's easy. I'm telling you that it works. And it has worked for me over time. So many times, like time and time again, when I'm like, for example, when I was in the depths of despair, I was so depressed that I felt like my body was full of lead, complete physical reaction to depression. It's very, very real thing where you can feel like aches and pains and your body's lead and you can barely move. You can barely brush your teeth, all of these different things. And I was at the depths of despair. And the way that I got out of that, one of the ways, obviously, there are a lot of different methods to get out of that type of horribly soul-sucking depression. But the one of the ways that I got out of it was through opposite action. And I had to force myself. I had to drag myself to even go shower. I had to drag myself to brush my teeth. I had to drag myself to walk my dog. And... I was not doing it with a smile on my face, though that would have been a much better <laughs> opposite action tactic, but I was doing it and it got my brain to kind of rewire like, 
oh, even though I'm depressed, I can do these things. Even though I don't want to, I'm still doing them. And so it reinforces these like different, um, what's the word? Um, associations in your brain where it's like, okay, I feel depressed and I can do this thing. And, you know, uh, and if you're depressed and you're just sitting and sulking and being sad and thinking about all the things that you're doing wrong in your life and how everything is hopeless, then that's just going to make your brain think like, oh, this is just what we do when we're depressed. Like when we have all these terrible feelings in our body, um, we're just going to do that thing and it's going to continue. And the rumination, those thoughts about just all of the, the negative things, that's going to continue to make your body feel worse. So that, that, and that's where, you know, the mindfulness comes in. So that's my story with how I used opposite action to come out of like the most, the depths of despair, like essentially the most horrible depression that I've ever been in. And I can tell you for a fact that if you, you know, have any, if you're on the spectrum of depression, it is one of the only things that actually worked for me. Uh, that and mindfulness practice, which we'll dig into um, in a later episode, which I'm really excited about because mindfulness is a thing that gets thrown in, thrown around like all the time and people are like, uh, okay, I got to be more mindful in my life, but it's not very practical how people give the advice and like just meditate every day for like X amount of time. And it's not as easy as people say. So I think that it's, yeah, that's a whole other thing. And I will talk about that. Uh, you know, I keep on mentioning how I'm going to talk about things in future episodes, but you know, that's how I reel them in. That's how I hook them. Right. Like I'm like, little little breadcrumbs like, Ooh, stay tuned for this hot topic. So it's my little, my little marketing, marketing ploy. I hope you fall for it. All right. So I'm also going to talk about the downsides of opposite action <laughs> because there are downsides. Uh, I, I, and I want to, I want to find a downside to every mental health tip because not all of these things work for everybody. Not it, it, it's not one size fits all. And, you know, sometimes something can work for a big group of people, but the truth is a lot of mental health studies have not been done on certain groups, especially minority groups. Um, and it's, there's some disparity there, uh, in terms of like, there isn't enough data to really talk about mental health for everybody. And so anyway, so that aside, I want to talk about the downsides of using opposite action. So for example, um, you can start, you can use it as a tool to kind of just like distract yourself. Like I said, exercise can be a distraction. And in my example, I exercised as kind of a way to do opposite action. While it can be a great opposite action tool, the only way that it worked is if I use that music as the mindfulness technique, as I fully immerse myself in listening to the music, listening to the nuances of the music. And so that's how I did uh, opposite action correctly in that scenario. Um, the thing is, that is not always the case for everyone. If you're not very skilled in mindfulness yet, um, then you're not going, then you're probably just going to slip into rumination, maybe without even realizing it. And that's going to perpetuate the the bad feelings or the uncomfortable feelings rather. I try not to say bad or good, but sometimes it slips. Um, and 
So that will help you. That'll, that'll only hurt in that, in that sense. And some people use exercise as self-harm. So if you are the type of person who is obsessive about exercise, feels horrible about yourself if you miss a day of exercise, um, who has some compulsive behaviors around moving your body or doing weights or anything, then I would not recommend exercise as a way to practice opposite action. So that's one thing that I wanted to to caveat this with. Another thing is if you have bipolar, opposite action can actually be problematic sometimes. Um, so like, for example, if you're trying to get out of depression by just, you know, really committing to opposite action and doing the exact opposite of how you're feeling and and what behaviors you want to do, like curling up in a ball and never getting out of bed. If you're like, if you take it too far and you just continue to do it while you're, you know, at a, at a baseline state, that can tip you over into mania. So uh, I, I have had this happen in, to an extent before where I just was, got so obsessive about um, doing opposite action and, and that contributed, it was a factor into getting kicked into mania. I was misdiagnosed with major depressive disorder and um, I was put on, you know, medications that were actually that have been shown to put people into mania or help people get into the manic state, not help, but, you know, like trigger the manic state uh, for people who are on the bipolar spectrum. Like I'm a lower on the bipolar spectrum, but since I was on the spectrum, my mania was triggered by this medication. And so it, 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 and also I was doing the opposite action. I was trying to like pump myself up and then, you know, boom, I go into this, like this other very, the state that was very foreign to me, uh, you know, as somebody who thought that I, like, I thought I was amazing and I was, I was just so like, uh, empowered by myself. And then that empowerment turned into, you know, thinking that I was, you know, unreasonably powerful and influential and just it, it was something I had never experienced before as somebody who had historically had very low self-worth that had, you know, been in a state of depression for pretty much like my whole life. Um, I mean, the majority of my life. And so I would caution people to get a very accurate diagnosis, which is another thing that is very difficult uh, in in our country because there are so many differing opinions and, and a lot of people are not very thorough in their mental health diagnoses. And there are so many nuances to the different disorders and the different symptoms that that model doesn't work. That it just, it doesn't work unless you're low on the spectrum for mental health disorders. So... Anyway, um, that was a tangent, but if you, and opposite action can also be harmful for people with OCD. So I have OCD as well. Um, it's very much under control, uh, with regards to, I get very few intrusive thoughts now, which is awesome. I am so grateful for that. And I'm not even on anxiety meds anymore, which is pretty cool. Um, so I'm going to give myself a pat on the back and Ancho is looking at me like, you know, he, he always kind of looks at me like I'm, I'm a little nuts, which fair, that's fair. Um, and so if you have OCD, you can get obsessive about opposite action, which 
you can basically, if you have OCD or if you have an addictive personality in general, you can literally get addicted to anything, any behavior, any ritual, any, like, any thought pattern, essentially. And so um, just be careful. (laughs) Be careful with opposite action. There are downsides. And it can feel fake. Like, some people just don't like that it feels fake, that they're not living their authentic self. And it's like, but the depression and the, the bad habits, that's not your authentic self either. So overall, I'd give opposite action like a B plus. I think it's pretty good. It's pretty helpful. Just got to be careful if you got comorbid disorders or if you have, you know, anything that could be problematic with it. Anyway, that is the show. Oh my God, it's my first episode and I just talked to myself for like, I don't even know how long. But I'm so excited that I actually did some. Oh, it was about 30 minutes. That's exactly what I wanted to do. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening if you got this far. And Antra thanks you too. He's giving me a little look um, that says he is so grateful. I can read his little mind. So I hope to hear, uh, see you, I guess, or see your... Uh, see your stats in the app as a listener uh, for the next episode I'm going to be talking with a friend about another mental hip mental health tip mental hip is not not necessarily a thing but it could be I could I could make it a thing um, and he and I will be talking about a number of things and I'll get to uh, read his subconscious which is subconscious subconscious you know, I'm ending this on a really poor note. I, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna close it out. <laughs> but this has been so much fun talking to myself alone in my apartment, and I am thrilled to be doing this. So I want to thank you, and you know, give yourself some fucking self care this week. You deserve it. All right, bye. And that's the show. I hope this week you will laugh a little bit more about the absurdity that is mental health.